I am the master, and you will obey me. Listen to Dan Hadley on Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, or face the consequences. Time for Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook for the Fandom Podcast Network with me, Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks, and your main news anchor this time. It's okay, I did say anchor. Now, if you're new to this show, wondering what we're all about, or you've heard it all before, we're still the same playful, free-speaking, deliberately eclectic show for everybody, whatever decade or century you started watching, reading, or listening along to the ongoing adventures of our hero, Doctor Who. We talk about it all on this show. All views are encouraged, and there could even be a little merriment along the way. So come and step into our TARDIS and share this journey together here with us on Type 40. Welcome to the show, everybody. At the end of a massive news dump of a week, two weeks, sort of, tracking the time zones as we go along it never seems to uh, it never seems to calm down does it lots of excitement out there in the air we'll be taking stock of all of that and doing what fans do best sort of uh, chewing through it all getting a little bit obsessive and driving each other nuts with theories and speculation with my crack newsroom full of time agents i'm going to bring those on right now i think yes first of all the man who's been on this particular journey with me well, since the beginning, really, in the beginning of this era, before she even fell to earth. Yes, it must be the Fandom Podcast Network's very own Mr. Kyle Wagner. What is up, Mr. Hadley? I hear there's some serious time rifts going on, uh, some cracks. The, the things, the things are definitely wibbly-wobbly in the Doctor Who universe these days. Things are shaking up, aren't they? There are cracks appearing everywhere. <laughs> cracks in the armor and in the media. Every time I look, there's some outlandish speculation it's either completely ridiculous or it's utterly sublime or <laughs> you know, obviously no. somewhere in the middle but it started again it started again Kyle you said it um type 40 kind of started just before the time Jody took over as the doctor we've been on this ride together for a while 
So yeah. it's 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 been an interesting ride, but it's, yeah, some of the rumors are out there are kind of out there. But you know what? There's some of them. I wouldn't mind seeing some credence and actually come up to them, even though I know it's a long shot. It was silly season. Now it's simply sort of frantic season, I think, as people pick their way through little rumors that do sort of seem to appear wherever fans congregate about what could possibly be true or not. But I know the very man who can really shine some light on what is more feasible than not. He's probably the most industrious and certainly the loudest Doctor Who voice on YouTube. Welcome back to Type 40 Spielebeck in the Rabbi from Another Planet. Hello, how are you? Talking about route rumours, I just yes. got a bunch of new rumours about the new direction and they are chillingly credible. They all make complete sense. I, I'm at, I'll, I'll look forward to, to sharing with you later on the stream. So yeah, we've got our co correspondents here from America and from Israel. I think now we need a top entertainment pundit, screenwriter, producer and director and big old mega geek, Ian David Diaz. Hello. <laughs> well, listen, if you can't find a good a good media pundit, I'm sure he, 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 he will help you find one, right? Is that right, mega geek? Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe. Got nothing else on? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> in a way guys there's so there's little actual news coming from the bbc they're they're very very tight-lipped about this but then again they're always tight-lipped strangely enough though despite that there's still quite a lot to unpack if you'd like to do some real-time traveling of your own each and every edition of this show past present and future is just a tap or two away if you know where to look on the device of your choice and there'll be more of that about all of that sorry a little bit later on as well as when we make contact with the matrix of all knowledge that we call the fandom podcast network for full details about what's the talk of all the other multiverses on all the other shows over there okay yeah i think it's time we uh dipped into the headlines everybody and found out the the truth from the rumor Okay, so yeah, throughout the last uh, 12 months plus covering Doctor Who, we've scaled back our news coverage on Type 40 for a few reasons, really. I mean, it's largely because under the uh, stewardship of Chris Chibnall, and I use that phrase very generously, <laughs> it's been a practical news blackout, hasn't it? That's, that's the method that Mr. Chibnall favours when handling us, the waiting audience. Usually until around two weeks at best before the transmission of new episodes, we know absolutely nothing. So there's never a great deal to talk about. You know, you know what? This this latest like round of, of insanity, I think has shed yes. some, some light on that. I don't think it's some marketing ploy where he's trying to hold back information. No. I think he just absolutely hates it with every fibre of his being. And then he just like does it at the last minute because he has to. But like you know, with the big news about Weeping Angels, like Weeping Angels, uh, yes. being in this series, that oh, should have yeah. been a news item. They could have made, they could have got a lot of uh, play out of that. Instead, it was Stephen Moffat who uh, revealed it in an offhand Instagram. And uh, yeah, yeah. there's just so, I mean, the the, the marketing that went up, that went in in the last few weeks is shockingly awful. And the marketing is is maybe worse than the writing. And the writing's insanely bad, right? So, but like, <laughs> well, you have you had Comic Con. 
We can't even blame the pandemic because it's always been like this, isn't it? No, no, exactly. Look, you had Comic Con, right? The big Comic Con, and they had the huge announcement. Oh, oh, we got a, we got a mystery guest. You got to tune in. We got to tune in. Who is it? Is it Tom Baker? Is it David Tennant? Is it? It's who? It's what's his face? And that's like, what the extra from Game of Thrones? What? The, you know, yes. And and no mention of leaving. No mention of Weeping Angels. We've seen the pictures of the Sontarans. We've seen the Weeping Angels. So, um, Under, so underwhelming I, I, doesn't cover it, does it? Ian? So I got some information uh, from okay. my source. It seems th this friend of mine said this is true. She says you can you can take this to the bank. I'm just getting it from someone that I've known forever. She said they got marched in. He got marched in, and he was told that it's not working. You have to go. Yeah. Listen, if the so, BBC want money, they should have yeah. they should have made that a pay per view event. Oh. Right, so that's one of the reasons why he wasn't saying much on the Comic Con panel thing. Did he know by and, then, you think, or not? Yes, he, he, according to my source, he knew, and Jody knew. So Jody's an actress; she can put on a show, Whatever. but but um, uh, Chibnall can't. So you can see he, he tried to put it on the show, but you know that's why he wasn't speaking much. Again. I'm telling you what I've just been it's told. It's the ring of truth, yeah, though, doesn't it? I don't know if it's true. Sorry. That, that brings <laughs> so, us right where, where we were when I, la when I last spoke to Kyle, because it was a few weeks ago on the show, mm. and myself, you, Kyle, uh, Sarah Graham, Starry-Eyed Girl, and Kevin Wright, so we were in talking about the general sort of state of all fandoms at the time, but specifically talking about what could possibly be coming at Comic-Con 21. Kyle, did you feverishly wait for the Doctor Who panel, and what did you think about it all? To, to say that I wasn't surprised by the lack of a surprise drop, this is your surprise drop, um, yeah, no, don't think so. Wasn't surprised. I have a little bit of news too. There is actually a tiny bit of American influence on the decision to get Chibnall and Whitaker out as well, because okay. Warner, which has recently been sold to Discovery, part of that is HBO, henceforth HBO Max. And if you remember when HBO Max first started, one of their big selling points was you're go you're home for new air for current Who streaming. Yeah. This is the yeah. only place you can get it. And the streaming numbers on HBO Max for Who have not been good. And Warner is not happy about the fact that they really feel like they can't even market Who right now. And they paid a lot of money to get the streaming rights. It's not, it's not premiering on that in the US. It's going it, to it's, BBC America and to uh, AMC+. Plus. But, but the issue being, the only place to stream any of the past seasons of modern era Who is HBO Max in the US. So the seasons are popping up there, but what's happened with Doctor Who is it's really gotten the streaming viewership in the U.S. down, especially of the current seasons. There's a lot of moving parts here, but they were like, we paid a lot of money for this. Something's got to change. And so I know BBC America has not been happy with the, with the numbers at all the last couple of years. So I think, I think there's a big lots of rumors floating around here in the, the States that they want the BBC to can seriously consider J. Michael Straczynski as, to be the showrunner. Yeah, wow, because, I love that. What I want to ask you first, Carl, was do HBO Max, because we know Netflix don't ever publish figures, do they? Do HBO publish the figures about what's been watched in which quantities? No. Netflix has started because they have like a top 10. HBO Max, which it's it's been kind of a weird situation because Warner Brothers really pissed off a lot of directors when they did this same day, same release for all Warner movies for 2021. So that's been an issue. Obviously, 
Warner just got sold to the Discovery Group here in the U.S. So while they have a ton of money, there's there's that whole state of influx. But Doctor Who, when initially when HBO Max first started, that was going to be one of the big selling points. Hey, you're only place in the U.S. to stream New Era Doctor Who because of the response to the current creative team and a few other things. Doctor Who has gone from in the U.S. from this just big booming thing to nobody talks about it anymore. Did the Comic Con panel change that in any way, Kyle? No, no, the Comic Con panel didn't reg- register. The biggest problem wait, 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 right wait, now. Wait, 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 Kyle, Kyle, just let me get this straight. You're telling me John uh-huh. Bishop, John Bishop didn't uh, it didn't wrap them in 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 Philadelphia? Really? Uh, 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 who? How, who? How can who? that be? Who? 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 <laughs> um, it's been really interesting to watch here because. It started a little bit with Capaldi. Once Chimnall, uh, Jody, there was a big surge when Jody first joined the show and her appearance at the U.S. Comic Con because that was really like they just made a huge deal out of it and it just disappeared. Doctor Who used to be in a day-to-day pop culture conversation in the U.S. like everything, like up there with Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Marvel, and it's just dropped off the, the edge of the cliff here in the U.S. So the fact that you did get to meet for the first time, the international audience got to meet John Bishop properly at this event and his character, Dan West. He's got a surname now, everybody. He's got a surname. Big news. (laughs) Did he charm the audience? Because he was the standout presence. In fact, he was the only presence, really, the only only human being who seemed to have anything to say or any personality on this panel, Kyle. Did that... But the, the, but the, well, the, the, the problem is, is that the only people who watch this isn't like when Jody showed up a couple of years ago when they had no. national. What a only difference! Doctor Who, right? or, or, only only existing Doctor Who fans watch this panel because we are still in the era of um, COVID and virtual yeah. panels and things like that. And truthfully, the things in the last few weeks in the U.S. have been so bonkers. The focus hasn't been on these kind of things, and I, I think Doctor Who because of. There is so much programming. I think Doctor Who's kind of fallen out of the general mindset of people who aren't diehard fans of Doctor Who in the United States. There's too many other things to compete. I see, yeah. The the biggest mistake they made, uh, BBC made, is pulling it off Netflix. When uh, Doctor Who was on Netflix with uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant, that's when it was at its absolute height in the US. Because, like, you have a basically attractive English guy being very Englishy, which is kind of which people like in America. You get a lot of the, the Anglophile thing going on. That's why they, you like, America's like Downton, right? Because it's very English. But that's the reason why they took it off because they were, you know, Brit, Britbox. They wanted all of it on Britbox. Yeah. Right, right. They and, they, and they were schmucks because they should but have they, stayed on Netflix. But I think you're right. The, the public profile of it yeah, but I think you're right because um, if you look on Netflix and you look on Amazon, you have certain things that are both on both channels. Like you have the Born, the Born films on Netflix, and it's also on Amazon as well. So they should have kept it on Netflix as well as on on Britbox. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But Je- I think you're right there. But you know, but it's not on Britbox. I thought, I thought they gave it exclusively to HBO Max and HBO. I Max. don't know what's going on. No, but they pulled uh, it off Netflix. Yeah. Mm. Uh, here's how it works: in the US, the only streaming service within the US is HBO Max. This was one of the 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 the, the pillars of HBO Max was supposed to be because was, they had well, Game of Thrones and and they were going to have Doctor Who as their two big draws. And Game of Thrones they destroyed, and Doctor Who was destroyed, and I think that led to the 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 Warner Brothers uh, slate being released straight onto HBO Max. That and COVID, which a lot of people to this day say 
why HBO Max and Warner's didn't make the decision to only do it for the first six months and say we're going to reevaluate because H- Warner Brothers has successfully destroyed what was supposed to be their tentpole movie of this year in Dune by doing mm. what they did because mm. and they're probably not they made the creator of that film so angry that yeah, he, he, he doesn't that. even want to associate but Doctor and Who was, was ama- incredible by the way in, in this case in the U.S. Doctor Who was already kind of falling off because in the U.S. Matt Smith was the Doctor. Tenet was very popular, but Matt Smith was kind of like they, we, we felt like that was the Doctor we most in the U.S. identified with. People liked Capaldi, but he wasn't quite the same connection. And then going to Jody, there was this big hype thing because of what she did, and they really tried to hype it in the U.S. And then they and failed then to follow up on it. They had every opportunity in the world. There was an article that said Jodie Whittaker never had a chance to Doctor Who. Excuse me. Nobody had yeah. more of a chance she was given anything ever than Jodie Whittaker and Doctor Who. They cleared like, the TV schedule everything. for that show. Yeah. They had, they, they, they had everything in the, in the palm of their hands, right? All they had to do was deliver a halfway entertaining show. And they didn't. Their failure completely. The, the enormity of the failure is coming out now. You mentioned Game of Thrones there. Of course, yeah, the, the surprise. The big surprise was that Jacob Anderson from He's Game of Thrones. Basically, they needed someone to replace Captain Jack, so they created yeah. this character to replace Captain Jack. And, you know, let's face it, right, he's just Captain Jack, but he's black and he's got dreads. That's it. You know, it's it's Captain Jack time. got better because now he's black. That does, <laughs> yeah. that does I, I, definitely I, I, appear I, I, to be the case to me, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just don't understand how we fell through this weird black hole into this strange mirror universe where we're all obsessed with race all of a sudden right who's in charge like, of drama it, and bbc who's in charge of drama right i got the feeling that he is the one that they the blocking davies wants to go past this and recast a male as the doctor but he's the one you mean Tim Davy, the, yeah, the man yeah, who yeah, the, yeah. control the um yeah. the director general of the BBC. Right. Yes, yeah. there's there's a rumor BBC now is going to is going to be BBC Studios and and what does Davies used to be in charge of? He it's going to be a com- combination between Tim Davy used yeah. to run BBC Studios, right? And he was he was effectively headhunted for the role yeah. of the, of director general yeah. because of everything that he achieved at so studios. Which what is what is Doctor Who under now then? No, they said in the announcement it's going to be a decision between BBC and BBC Studios. Yeah, so the the, the, the rumour is that it's going to be um, they're going to join forces, BBC Studio and whatever the Doctor is under. That's going to and but um, the only yeah the only it's still mm. pro, it is still produced by BBC Cymru. Yeah, well. yeah. So the only stumbling block is is the uh, the man in charge of drama. Which... That dovetails nicely into this. Mm. The there are some Reddit rumours there which sound very very uh, realistic. Piers Wenger wants to reboot Doctor Who with season 14 and aim it at a new young audience and uh, basically forget classic Who and Doctor Who from series 1 to 13. Yeah, I've heard that, that rumour that, as well. They're embarrassed by it. They're ashamed of it. They're basically, what they want to do is they're going to come back big time and not give the, the main audience what they want. They, um, the Piers Wenger is, is determined to kill the the fan base, the the fan base, the the, the huge yeah. fan base. They, he's determined. That, that he's, does he, seem like throwing you know, out the, the bathwater. But yes, Carl, would well, that make any difference to the international audience? No. I, 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 no, the international audience wants to go back to the to the time of the ninth, tenth, yeah. and eleventh Doctor. That's what that's what they, that's what the U.S. That's wants. That's what like the it. international wants. That's what Brazil so wants. I, I know that. My question for you guys with this new character, though, and obviously it's very obvious he's replaced 
replacing what they probably had planned for Captain Jack. But my mm-hmm. question is this, because Dan and I talked about it on the last time I was on when we were talking about fandom in general. How much of this is also reflective of the cancel culture that's been hitting John Berriman, at least over in, in the UK, because we still love him in the US. We welcome him with open arms. Yeah. The thing is that poor, poor John, 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 you know, he's probably looking forward to going back to Doctor Who. I, I think think he's just dodged a bullet here. I think That's you're right. I, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah I mean, listen, we, we, we were all excited at first because the BBC realised finally, there was a, finally a public commission that it was wrong. They were like, it wasn't working, yeah. it wasn't coming together. And they knew that Jodie Whittaker, Christian, was wrong. But they didn't know what's wrong about them. They just knew they were wrong, and they're like, oh, let's try again doing exactly the same thing. Rabbi, and that's, I, the, that's really... the rumour. That's the. I mean, I always say that I never really have any sources. I just occasionally, occasionally hear things from people that I trust implicitly. The only thing that I've ever heard that's come to me was around 18 months ago, and it was that the BBC had no idea why it wasn't working. They just knew. <laughs> they definitely knew that it wasn't working. They know. They know why it's not working. They know why it's not working. Seriously, they they know why, right? And that and that's why they called Chibnall in the office. All right. So as I said, take this with a pinch of salt. They called him in the office, said it's not working with a female doctor. We have to do something about this, and it was left as just that. I don't know whether Jody was in there at the same time. But oh God! I as I said, I don't know. So, given that two weeks ago the Comic Con panel happened and it mm. barely created any ripples at all, you know, we got this new character Vinda, played by an actor who seems like a lovely fella, but hardly a name that anybody ever recognised. So, little things like that just didn't create any fuss at all. Now, not only is all the Comic Con stuff, Kyle, whatever they said about John Bishop. It's just taking care of business now. Now that we know that the production team is leaving and it is so anticipated, but pretty much whatever gets revealed about this short run of six episodes we're getting in the autumn, it's going to seem like white noise to people, isn't it? It's going to be the exact opposite of what happened when David Tennant left Doctor Who, where everybody tuned in because they loved him so much they wanted to see how he was going to go, and then they cleaned the slate. Mm. With this, people are going to say, why am I going to invest in this when I don't really care about it anyway? I'll just wait till they clean the slate. People might watch the last episode that they know Jody is in because they want to have that feeling of, hey, let's let's see what they're, what they're how they're going to close this out and what we're going to possibly be leading into. The issue is this: nobody cares. That is the damage that Chris Chibnall, I think, and I put it, I put so much of it more on Chibnall than I do Whit- Whitaker. That, Chris, yeah. that the damage that Chris Chibnall has done to the yeah. Doctor Who franchise. Get this over with. Get me back to some Doctor Who storytelling that I know and love. The I, idea that they're aiming for a new audience just speaks volumes. Of, I agree know. because that wasn't the wasn't that the whole thing we heard when Jody and Chris Chibnall came. Oh, we're exactly. aiming for a new audience. Yeah, it's a big deja vu sense here. We did get this trailer, didn't we? So this was forty-two yeah. seconds of new Doctor Who that nobody had ever seen before, uh, topped off by a new rendering of the logo. Now, as on the nose as you could possibly ever be, so inset into this grotesque rainbow that they in- insist on using as a as a motif. Now, I'm struggling to think of anybody left who who cares about this this run coming. Uh, oh world. no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell I'll, I'll tell you the, the, their demographic they're going for. Right, it's a, it's a strong one. Hate watchers. Hey, well, well, no, there's them. They're part of the big group. 
like guardian granola eating mothers uh, that want to uh, tie their their little boys they they put in a dress down to a chair in front in front of the TV to feel stunning and brave. Right? That's exactly who it. <clears throat> that's exactly who they are. There's about seventeen of them, and I think they got them all down, but they're not going to buy any merchandise, and they probably won't watch it either. Can, <laughs> anybody, can anybody remember a single frame of this trailer that they dropped the other day? Can't I remember you? them flying. That's the only bit. Yeah, I remember. that's about that. That's about it. You know, the other people who are going to watch this are the people who like to watch a car crash because that's what this is. Okay, the, the other rooms I heard in the script for episode one yes. is the worst thing that anybody's ever read in this no, time. No. <laughs> if if Chibnall's involved, they're just all off. But there's this, yeah, there's this, there's this right. um, other rumor that they've brought in a ghostwriter. When they shot the first three or five, I can't remember, they they looked at the rushes and they realized it was so bad and they brought in this ghostwriter. And then they went, you know, nobody oh, knows right. who the ghostwriter is to try and pep it up. It can only be. I don't know. Who, I don't know. Guys, let me ask you this: Stephen Moffat has been circling the Doctor Who realm a lot lately and taking shots. Oh, he knows. Like he's not interested. He's, he's bored. Do you do do you guys think that the Comic Con panel was uh, was Chibnall's last chance to show some social media impact and excitement? The the thing that he put out in the press about how Jodie changed. You know, it was a pleasure working with stuff. That really sounds like. One of those things they put out in the press from a company because the company's losing. If you, if you go back in history, right. they've always done that with companies that are failing. They always put out something, you know, we're still okay, you know, life, there's still life, in the, and then they and then they die. That thing that he wrote about the whole era and how wonderful it was, and we made a pact and all that. That's what it's, it's PR seen. and media speak, yeah. isn't it? Ian? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's nothingness. It's a nothing burger. Let's go with this. So this was the news then that broke on the 29th. Yeah, Thursday the 29th of July, so it went something like this. Chris Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker to leave Doctor Who in a trio of specials. That's the, the big headline there. And uh, I think there's lots of us have been hearing rumours about Jodie Whittaker's departure since January that had leaked. We've got our fingers crossed that that would mean Chris Chibnall would go too. We dare not even believe that, that, that we'd get the double whammy there because obviously he's the one who's making all these creative decisions. He's the one who miscast the Doctor in the first place. He's the one that can't build any characters. He's the one that can't seem to manage generating any excitement around this show at all in the 21st century, in the age of multimedia, in the age of social media. The thing looks like it's on autopilot constantly. Long-time Type 40 companions can uh, doubtless imagine what particular kind of tears a lot of us were shedding when we heard this news. Yes, it was tears of absolute unrestrained joy when I saw this first break. I couldn't believe my eyes that the day had finally come. This divisive, unpopular era was finally on marked time. Where did you first hear about this, Kyle? Actually, I saw it on social media, and I sent it to you immediately to find out if, it, from your side, if it was true. And then I actually got the BBC report yeah. of it because I got it from one of the more questionable. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. And then yeah, yeah. I sent that to you to confirm. And then before I heard back from you, I saw the BBC report. I, I think it's so interesting. Usually, when a doctor leaves, they, they they interview the person who's leaving. They make some kind of comment about it, and there's yeah. just it's been dead. From Jody Whittaker, the Jody Whittaker standpoint, I think what I'm seeing from how this has hand been handled, I think Jody is just—it's going to come out more and more that she was basically a tool for Chris Chibnall and a tool for the BBC. Sold the line of what it was going to be, and then they entrapped her, and then she was just stuck. 
now you've okay. mentioned that and going back to what Ian said earlier on about all this sort of this multimedia speak, it's it all just sounds like it's been written for them. Because it's a very strange statement from Jodie Whittaker about size 13 shoes. Rabbi, I know you've got your head in your hands. but It's all we... embarrassing. I mean, it's so... <laughs> yeah, embar- yeah, it's embarrassing. embarrassing. Like, you feel bad for them. They just, like... I don't know. I mean, it's there's kind no, of like... There's no sincerity to any of it somehow, is there? Yeah, and, 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 you know, it being 2021, there is zero, I mean, absolutely zero uh, okay. uh, patience for media speak. Like, nobody believes nobody anything. Buys it, nobody believes it. But you know what's back. interesting about this whole thing? I speak to a lot of Doctor Who fans, and I say, and I say, but maybe they're going to double down. And a lot of them say, no, 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 we still have faith in Doctor Who and stuff like that. And I always say to them, look, look around you. Look what happened to the other IPs. They're not stopping. They're doubling down on everything. Do you think this is going to be any different? Do you think the attitude of where all of this is coming is going to be any different to this show? The hope is because they've been forced into this. And mm. it's something they've, all, they've really wanted to do and they've been forced into it. Maybe they've been forced into a complete capitulation, right? Yeah. That's the hope. This statement from the BBC about the departure of the star and the showrunner of Doctor Who with the with these specials that are going to top off the era it, it's full of the strangest sort of comparisons there's a big there's a big flex in there about how the 2020 series won the best science fiction show award beating the Mandalorian Lucifer the boys all these really prestigious shows for for the best mm. moment awards so they build that up in this press release before telling us that it was just a vote conducted at radiotimes.com you know so <laughs> this isn't the golden globes we're talking about and there's lots of other great sweeping statements a bit from from Chris Chibnall himself here who said Jody and I made this 3 year and out packed with each other at Nonsense. the start of this once in a lifetime blast so now our shift is done and we're handing back the TARDIS keys. It just doesn't ring true, does it? Yeah. That sounds that sounds uh, well, like it's, it was written year. by someone who actually knows how to write. But it was a five-year mission. I remember James Strong saying that it was a fi- before he wasn't given any any work uh, directing it, saying, "Oh no, Chibnall has a five-year plan that he's he's looking forward to." Yeah, right. He has been in the role for five years. He got the role in uh, the role of showrunner in early January 2016. It was announced. Obviously, he may have even been speaking to them, therefore, in, say, 2015. But on, on the news of his departure, he topped it off with, I wish our successors, whoever the BBC and BBC Studios choose, as much fun as we've had. They're in for a treat. They've had he a didn't blast. write that. It's obvious someone in the press wrote that. He's been hiding ever since this show started. From the very first episode to the last episode of the first season, he's he's been in hiding. None of the other showrunners were like that. I'm talking about New Who now. They weren't. They were out there. They were talking to people. They were like celebrating. They were all in your face. They had the making of and stuff like that. But Chibnall, he's been so quiet. He's been he's been hiding because he knows this is not working. I, I want to play a little devil's advocate here because I, I do think this is something I'm seeing in a lot of science fiction and, and a lot of fandom stuff in general. Now, I don't think Tribnell is a great writer, so don't. I'm, But I'm starting to think, with very few exceptions, these show creators are basically being brought in and saying, you will follow our mandates, you will follow this. And they're no not doubt. they're not being allowed to tie, to write the stories they want to tell because the network's except for one, and I'll get to that in a minute, the networks themselves are so afraid of cancel culture. They're, right for, right for what, the, what, what the people want right now. 
what the the general social media populace wants right now. What what well, what, I mean, what it, the loudest voice is, and this is a fraction of the population that that are, even have a Twitter account, let alone live on Twitter but, and bombard right. places like the BBC, Carl. But I'm going to flip you this. So, see, see that through. So I'm sorry, through uh, uh, Moffat's run, you could see yeah. the, like, the the you could see the beginnings of the uh, inclusivity and diversity of agenda until you got to Bill Potts, when it was just they took a great character and just made it ridiculous. And it, that was that was even with somebody who could write with a good writer and a, and a great actress. You know, I think the Pearl Mackey's got so much personality and, and she had so much zest and truth in that part. Yeah, you can see her struggling under the weight of some of it sometimes. Oh. But still, going on what going on what some Kyle said, right? If you were the showrunner and you were in charge, and they gave you this mandate, you have to follow this, you have to follow that. You have you have a, an ace card in your sleeve. You could say if they fire him and he's out of the contract, he can say what he wants. He can go, yeah, they fired me because they wanted this thing to be political. Yeah, they wanted to go me. So you know, you, there's a, there's a balance there. You know? But what I think, what I think is going on there is that mm. because more studios have that approach, if you're a writer and you think you have that ace card up your sleeve, you may not because they, they, then you be, become a problem child to all these mm. other studios. Yeah, and yeah. I was, I was going to say, there's Just only one studio right now that I see that is taking chances and letting their creators actually be creative, and that's Amazon because they have mm. the money to say, "Screw you, we don't care what you think. You're still going to buy other things from us. You need us." Too bad, so sad. We're gonna do what we want to do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is like this is religious fundamentalism. It, it, it just is. It's hive it's mind. Like they all hive mind, hive mind thinking. <laughs> so the idea, as these two, Jody Whittaker and Chris Chibnall, prepare to pack their bags. You know, they're finishing recording on this show as we record this edition of Type Forty. They have weeks left. It's into it's. You can count them on the fingers of one hand the amount of weeks they have left in their roles before they depart. I can't say that I'm surprised by how any of this has played out. The reception to their entire era, the pattern of it, not just that huge tumble in the viewing figures, but the discourse around the show. Rabbi, you see this daily on YouTube. You know, you make vi you make some sort of video content for YouTube every day on this subject, and you're as clued into the news as, as anybody that I know. It's gr it's very gradually changed, but it's sharply changed in the last few months, hasn't it? Since it became even possible that they were leaving, and since this announcement, again, there's been another change, hasn't there? With some of the media really turning, it's been yeah, open yeah, since yeah. Chris Chibnall the, in particular. The, 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 the forbidden thoughts are, are, are finally allowed to be spoken, right? And everyone, all the media outlets job. have been saying, this is the greatest thing ever. Oh, how stunning and brave, how wonderful. They say, no, it's always been garbage. It's always been terrible. Like, now, now it's like, well, wait a minute. Where were you for the last three years? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Mm. Like, and it's the same writers. It's not even the same outlets. It's the same writers saying, oh, well, she never really had a chance. Oh, well, like, what? You were just telling me everything she did was the was the best thing they've ever seen. You've ever seen. I saw a bizarre article from the Radio Times claiming. I mean, I don't know how how aware you are of the Radio Times, Carl, but they were they were saying that now is the time. Now is the time for Jodie Whittaker. She hasn't had her moment to shine. She hasn't had her big doctor moment. Now is the time to deliver. Twenty two episodes. <laughs> you know, this is this entire thing, Kyle, has the air of, of somebody just meeting out their contractual obligations to me now. It's all over by the shout. 
say what you will about her performance, and there's plenty of criticism to be had there. Chris Chibnall's writing and the mandates that were on this version of Doctor Who were never going to allow Jodie to become the doctor she could have become because the mandate they had was, we have a female doctor. That's the big thing. It's a female doctor. Instead of, hey, not only do we have a female doctor, we have this great, we have this actress who, and with stories that really developed this female female doctor and that are just on par with any other, any other doctor we've had. Instead, we've got covered with mandated scripts, things that were written with other agendas in mind, instead of just sitting down and writing, I'm going to write Doctor Who. What they, but this was so far from anything that Doctor Who was. I mean, I, I was thinking about it the other day. And how many episodes did we actually even see the TARDIS? Very few. Bradley Walsh and Tosin Cold ejected the minute they could. And, and you know, the other thing I think about it is, usually when a doctor is leaving the show, yeah, there's some people say, oh, I didn't like that doctor. Thank goodness he's leaving. But it always still feels like it's a, you still celebrate that doctor who's leaving and you thank them for the work that they did. And yeah, it just doesn't yeah. feel like we've, we're going to have that at all all this this time. It's going to be... There's been to get out euphoria. Right, it's that. I mean, that's yeah. the rea- that, that's the way of describing the reaction. It's just been euphoric, like, oh my god, free at last! And, and it, I, that's the sign you haven't done very well. Um, yeah, there's a right. rumor that her agent was telling her, "Look, you need to get out of this show. It's not doing you any good," because obviously. Um, she wants a life outside Doctor Who. She wants to act in career. other roles and uh, yeah, have a, have a career. I was told that <laughs> again, take a pinch of salt. That her agent was just telling her, "Leave." leave now because she was committed to this role for uh, the best part of 18 months before she even made it onto screen so it's completely reasonable that her representation her professional representation i'm talking about would wish to get her into another role to build her career and particularly to get her get her away from a a failing brand before anybody realizes that she's at least 50 percent of why it's tanked I think I think at this moment in time she's realizing that she made a mistake because when they started off the tide was how going. Could we, how could one not? Yeah, exactly. When they started off, the tide was going. You know, strong female characters. It was this. It was that. So she just kind of played along with the stuff about. I mean, she said a lot of bad things that actually pissed off the the fan base. But I reckon she's just a patsy in this. That that's yeah. you know when I think about it, I think she's a patsy. I think she tried to do the right thing, and then now she's realizing that it was completely the wrong thing. She obviously can't speak up about it because she's under contract. Chibnall may be a victim, who knows? But I doubt it. Oh, come on, I really at doubt it. Yeah. At some point, you got to take some bloody responsibility. For yeah, yourself. exactly. I, yeah. I, look, there's a, there's this uh, uh, a Jewish concept that says There is no messenger in doing a sin. Let's say somebody talks you into doing a sin, right? Somebody mm. talks you into it. You've still <laughs> done it yourself. If somebody cons you into it, you've still done it. You are responsible for it. You're not going to take responsibility while you're still under contracting. and could be committing no. absolute career career suicide under in that process. Again, but, I think once contracts are, I think you're going to hear a lot of different things. I truly do think she was used as a tool. I think Chris Chimnall was hired. And he had the mandate, female doctor, this, this, and that. Then Me Too started, everything going on. And Chris says, you know what? I got the perfect person because of his his ties with Jody. And Jody's, I'm willing to guess, almost blind loyalty to Chris Chibnall. 
at that time. It does seem the, that the, way. The she, trusts is, him, if, she trusts if, him implicitly, I think, Kyle. If I was in if I was in Chibnall's place, I would I would um, basically try and write it in such a way that it disguises the mandate. The mandate will still be there, but it disguises it. I don't and think he's a good enough writer to do that. Exactly my point. He he is not a good good enough writer. And plus he made the mistake of hiring people that don't know about sci-fi. He hired writers that were from soaps and stuff like that. And that's the big mistake he made. Well, I don't know whether plenty, it was a cut, plenty of cost them, cutting Ian, cost. Yeah. Plenty sorry, of them had never written mm. any sort of script there you go. Drama so, of any kind before for television. That was for theater. It was a hundred percent about about giving uh, uh black people and brown people Jobs writing a mainstream TV show so Chris Jimnall can feel like he's a good person. Yeah, no, if you just it, make good episodes, yeah. then you can get away with anything, right? Let's, not, not, forget, let's yeah. not forget, everybody, that Chris Chibnall had a long leading time to work on Doctor Who, didn't he, Kyle? He's had to, he's had to actually create fewer episodes over his time than anybody else. So he's had potentially all 10 of these. These are shortened runs. It's easy to forget. We used to get 13. Now we get 10. They, they should have been watertight they should have all have been absolute standout classics particularly with the 18 months in between series shouldn't they Kyle? here here's the thing and i think this is something that it is chris chibnall's the way he thinks and the way he writes 10 episodes the shorter amount he gets but gets more time to tinker with it and everything he becomes his own worst enemy where mm. whereas he had more time to tinker with the scripts tinker with this tinker tinker with that instead of just writing his initial idea getting that down getting that solid and then just pushing it through and moving on to the next thing he had more time to tinker and he i think that's part of chimnall's problem is chris chimnall thinks he's too smart see i think it's laziness i mean look at the actual plot of uh, of the, the motivation of the villain in rosa i didn't realize how stupid it was and, and I, I don't know how this went past the script editor the plot is a man from the 50th century uh, uh, was arrested, I think, by black people or in prison because a black person arrested him. So he figures, if I go back 30 centuries, like like 3,000 years, <laughs> and stops Rosa Parks giving up her seat on a bus, right, by making the bus empty, there will, in the next 3,000 years, there will be no change, and there will be no emancipation, nothing, no. Three, like, and, and how, how did that get passed? A freaking script editor, a first day script editor, should read that. And go, really? There's no. You don't think the civil rights movement would happen ten years later? But I don't know. It's another example of somebody as well, because obviously Mallory Blackman wrote the majority of that. This is another writer who isn't the a sci-fi writer. You know, she's okay, a very. But no, the, the, the reason it, it, it got through is the same reason it gets through in comic book. It's that you see, it, they got this United. Uh, was it the Captain Americas? Uh, a thing going on in comic books right now, and they're they're basically every different type. You have a black Captain America, you have a gay Captain America, you have a you know, Native oh, American. Everybody's Captain America, basically. Yeah, but but like then they always have a backup strip about that particular Captain America has to be written by somebody with with that identity, and those backup strips are unreasonably bad. Why? Because they're people with a uh, protected identity, so you can't edit them. You can't tell them no, that doesn't work. So. What was it Marjorie Black? What Blackman? Black? Okay, <laughs> bit of an unfortunate name, but like, like whatever, like whatever her name was, like they, they, 
Chibnall can't criticise her in the same way he can't write people on the progressive stack to have any faults whatsoever, which is why he writes bland, boring characters. Well, because... Mallory Blackman was the last example of that sort of lineage of writers that we've had, you know, going back to Neil Game and Richard Curtis, the, the sort of the standout one writer per season that you would never really expect that they'd managed to have got for Doctor Who. And I've always got the impression that Frank Cottrell Boyce is another example. These people who are novelists who are well-respected writers who express an interest in, in writing for Doctor Who or a fondness for the show, and they get uh, welcomed in and indulged. And I feel Mallory Blackman was indulged with this silly, as you say, this silly plot. But she wasn't the only one. It's one thing to indulge a writer of her prestige and calibre and with the respect of the uh, publishing world. And another to indulge people with no writing credits <laughs> like Vinay Patel. Barely even a writer as far that I can see. But he's actually more experienced compared to some of the other clowns that worked on this show. As I've been watching social media, I'm seeing more and more well-known writers all say they want to crack. And I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Here in the U.S., there is a big push for the Doctor Who fans in the to get Mr. Straczynski involved in Doctor Who. So for the people and, out there who don't know, Kyle, who is Joe Michael Straczynski? J. Michael Straczynski is a science fiction writer that has been with us for a very long time. Probably most known for a lot of people as the writer of Babylon 5, but he has written so many different things. He's considered one of the greatest science fiction writers currently going. He's written comics. Um, he had a great original story called Rising Stars that was oh, phenomenal. That was great. That was fantastic. Um, he's, he's written some great Superman. He's he's he's. And he's let's not done... forget, Kyle, he wrote what many consider to be one of the, the best books in the industry on the, on the craft of screenwriting, didn't he? Yeah. So you have this guy who people have been went on Twitter and said, hey, would you take a crack at Who said, all they have to do is call me. And they keep saying those of them. There's a problem, well, though. He's American. Are we to that point, though, that it's just time? No, I, they're willing no, to think out of the box, out of the, no, all no, of no. That, I right? agree, Kyle. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. I'm just saying the BBC, you know, they they rejected um, what is his name, Stephen Kingson. So Joe, you know, Joe Hill, who who I think is a, is an absolutely amazing writer in his own right. Mm. But to have J. Michael Straczynski come on to hire him as a showrunner, I don't care who you cast as doctor because you know he's not going to let somebody in. Um, that he wouldn't think could play the doctor. Um, I know one of the names that was kind of tied in with him was actually another female, Jodie Comer from Killing Eve. A lot of people would like, and he's like, I'd, I'd work with her. But again, you, I think, I think it's time for the BBC big, to get off their own yeah. high horse and open open the doors and say this problem is bigger than just keeping it. We can't make some... this show. Plenty of people out there can, wherever they are in the world. I mean, to get somebody like Joe Michael Straczynski expressing interest, he's a uh, veteran of this industry, of the craft. People like Joe Hill, exciting, still pretty young, new talent, full of ideas, and really at the start of his publishing journey. And for the BBC to dismiss Joe Hill pretty much offhand, you wonder how can they, how can they do that, and yet be happy to indulge the likes of Ed Heim and Vinay Patel and all these other other people. Well, but Chris Chibnall has, has given also they're cheaper. They're cheaper as well. Yeah. Because you, if you, you look at the history of BBC, they really don't they really don't know what to do with Doctor Who. You know, they're supposed to give it a, pro, a good budget, but they refuse to. And they don't, they, they just basically, they just don't know what to do with it. You know, the well, people in charge, they ago, don't really when know. Joe, so. when J JMS, they call him out there in sci-fi circles. When JMS first expressed interest 
in this role. It was idle pie in the, in the sky stuff for, for him, from mm. him, on social media just to see what people would say. But it seemed to catch a lot of people's imaginations, basically people who are hungry for somebody who can actually write to take over this show. And it seemed that the response that he got was bigger than he expected. So it seems that in the intervening days, he's pursued this. We've got a fresh, a fresh yeah. tweet from him. And uh, he said, a question for the British folk who follow this feed. My agency has decided to nose around a little on this issue of Doctor Who. We're having difficulty navigating the BBC's hierarchical structure to even know the best person to talk to. Has anybody got any names or positions that I can pass along? <laughs> so this man, he's, he's obviously, through his representation, through his agents, they're contacting the BBC. We've got, we've got JMS. He wants to work on this show. And they're finding it, as usual, the BBC to be impenetrable, bureaucrats. He's going to cost more than anyone that they hire in England. And, and, you and, know, they, so. and, and he's not on board for the. I don't think he's probably on board for their uh, 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 woke, moronic agenda. Mm, yeah. uh, uh, that that is systematically <laughs> is alienating the, the, the British public to the point mm. where they can't afford to make the show anymore. Speaking of alienating, I got to ask you guys about this too, because I think it ties into the chaos that is Doctor Who right now. What is going on with the sorry, Peter Capaldi, we want nothing to do with you anymore aspect? I mean, it just seems like he's being ostracized out of Doctor Doctor Who right now. Really? You think, I, I I think it's the other way around. I think Peter Capaldi is saying I want nothing to do with Doctor Who. Yeah. Okay. Well, but it seems it seems to be a book, but it seems like. For so long, he was treated poorly, and now he's like, I'm just done with it. I'm walking away from right. it. He's not doing it. He wants to be involved with Doctor Who, but he was obviously very upset that he got pushed. It wasn't yeah. like he walked away. He got pushed out I of know. I noticed from, from Peter Capaldi, he has been very, kind of like Carl says, he's been very, very quiet over the last year or two. And now he is speaking a little... He's only speaking about Doctor Who in a very roundabout way. And he's saying so, again, he's saying so little that the Doctor Who circus being such as it is, they're landing on it and sort of spinning his words a little bit, Kyle. That's right. You also have to remember, he's in the, he's in, he's especially in the U.S. spotlight right now because of his role in the Suicide Squad. Right. Where he's running around with mental, metal curlers in his head sticking out. But (laughs) yeah, it just seems like he's, he's kind of back in the news. And now, especially with, he's associated with, in, in my opinion, one of the hottest creators in the U.S. right now with James Gunn. That's right. gonna put put you more more in the news, and maybe now he feels like he has a platform with things behind him that he can voice out a little bit more about his discomfort with Doctor Who as well. Especially now that Chibnall and Whitaker are, are leaving, maybe he he feels like now's the time. If if I'm gonna say something and bring the light of, of problems going on there, now's the time to do it. They're all very professional, you know. You can see that Pete what, Peter wants to speak up, but he's and he's very professional, you know. As I said. Actors, they're hired to do a job. They do the job the best of their ability, and they move on. Same thing with all the other doctors, from David Tennant to, to to Matt Smith to you know, well, Chris Eccleston's a different story, but they're very they're, they're professionals, you know. Peter Capaldi's been an actor for for a long time. He knows he knows the dance, knows what yeah. to say and what not to say. Yeah, how things sound to an untrained ear, and mm. particularly when they've been through the filter. Of, of say the radio times or metro or whoever's yep. quoting him to you know to say whatever you're not going to get something come out that's going to be the actor's pure intentions i think that the only real way to find out how or to get some idea of how he really thinks are to look at the clips that do make it online from when he was on radio radio x 
I think it is, with Chris Moyles a couple of weeks ago. You know, he talked about Doctor Who a little there, and he very, very warm smile on his face. No, no malice at all. No, he was speaking about audio drama rather than Big Finish. He was speaking about making audio drama at an, at a place as an institution like the BBC where I would imagine it's still like making the arches. So you've got the Foley artist in one corner. Everybody sort of stood around in some pretty dank room. I don't know. And, and people have sort of extrapolated from that, that this man will never work with Big Finish. And I think it's it's just a case of filling up. Well, but, but, you, but you, you have to juxtapose it with a few days later, they recast the 12th Doctor with Jake Dubman. Yeah. Mm. Big Finish. So that, that, that was, that's a bit... I think the two things together... Sounds like it's saying a little bit more than that. Him saying I'm not really interested in in radio audio drama is a little bit low rent for me. And, and then a couple of days later, them recasting it, coming out with the recasting news. Mm. It seems to be it builds together to say say something to get say something more than that. As the time continues on from we from we've heard about the creative showrunner departing, the creative force behind Doctor Who and the star. I've never seen this before. Obviously, people are speculating, as Kyle said, about showrunners and about possible stars. We expect that. It's Doctor Who. But I have never heard people speculate and hunger for an incarnation of the Doctor, a past incarnation of the Doctor, to come back yeah. and kind of reclaim the show and more to the point to retcon what we've seen over the last three or four years. But there is a definite appetite out there for Capaldi to take back the lead in the actual ongoing show. I don't I know. know. Yeah, I know no, it's, I think there absolutely I know it's is. Online. I mean, and there's a lot of room between series L's at nine and ten. You've got a massive, I don't know, few hundred year gap of twelfth Doctor adventures that we haven't seen. Uh, um, I, I, really, I mean, he really deserves another two years in the role. He just so much deserves it. I doubt we're going to see it, but oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? I think I would be tempted to just uh, to not even. Not even slot it in there. I'd have him come back, claim the series back to the shock of Yaz to sort of emerge out of the vortex <laughs> as as the one as the one true Doctor back from That'd the dead. Hilarious. It turns out, and it turns out the character that we've been watching over the last three years turns out that's not been the Doctor at all. It's actually been the Valyard the entire time. So well, that, that, that would make sense. But have you ever seen so much creativity surrounding one particular past incarnation of the Doctor? No, Rabbi? no, no. Could be. Why? Because however much we thought that Jodie was hated, I think it's coming out that she was hated a lot more, right? I thought it was kind of like 50-50, 60-40, 70-30. It looks more like it was 95-5. The minute that, that they were gone, just the knives came out instantly. Again, I've never seen elation. At somebody's leaving like this before, and it's well, it's disappointment as well, isn't it? It's pure disappointment that the stories, the stories, the possibilities. Kyle, remember the possibilities that we first talked about when the gender when the gender swap was employed, and we speculated on this. And I, I always had my doubts. I never thought it was necessary, and I had a mind that it probably wouldn't work. But I was open to persuasion because you know yourself, Kyle, and, and Norm, who was on the show then with us as well, you had plenty of ideas and plenty of enthusiasm. And you know, I had to admit that there were some grounds. And I understand that you, Rabbi, you were also a, you weren't against the female doctor either. No, I was. On, I Ian, thought it would be great. I was really on board. I can't believe how bad it is. 
I think it would have worked if they they basically treated it right. If they take took out all that stupid agenda, made the doctor feminine, you know, you know, long hair, you know, a great costume that was feminine as well as being the doctor. And if they, you know, I mean, Jodie, as far as I'm concerned, she's not a bad actress, but she's terrible in this role. I would have cast someone different. I would have made sure she was very very feminine, just to push the the whole point that now the doctor's a female. Had really great, you know, storylines. You know, sci get some sci-fi writers in and stuff like that. Then it would have worked, in my opinion. The, it would have worked. Wrong, the wrong actress or actor in this role mean, yeah. means they yeah. may as well not even be there. I don't yeah. think the part has ever, ever been re uh, miscast before. Mm. Yeah, well, it has. Yeah, it has. No, I don't feel it has. I think you can only what? miscast McCoy? You can <laughs> you can only miscast this role by casting somebody who A, has no yeah. natural eccentricity and B, yeah. who isn't prepared to put the work in. Sylvester McCoy delivered on Yes, he did. He did, but he was still wrong, in my opinion. Well, I think, okay. well, you know, they could have found better with Sylvester McCoy, but they could have found a lot, lot worse. Somebody like Jodie Whittaker, who was not willing to put the work in and who You're lacked right. that natural mm -hmm. eccentricity. Mm -hmm. You're so, absolutely so right. I was very excited even by the casting of Jody, not because I, I mean she was decent in Broadchurch, but I actually liked what she brought when she did Attack the Block. And I'm like, we she could she has the she had the I thought she had the ability to make a decent doctor. Problem is, is that again, I think she was brought in as a tool. The only thing they were concerned about is we have a woman in the role. They didn't care who it was, they just had a woman in the role. I don't think Jody was ever given proper direction for Doctor Who. And then when she finally got a chance to work with somebody who could help her understand the role of Doctor Who and probably made an effort to help her understand that was when John Berriman was back as Captain Jack Harkness because there did feel like a little bit more natural Doctor between the... Oh, the no way. No so way. There was no chemistry between those two characters whatsoever. I actually watched some of that i got through 10 minutes and that was enough for me but when they met in the jail it was so obvious that barrowman and her did had no chemistry whatsoever totally disagree with that barrowman oh don't even get me started i'll stop, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I'll it's, stop. Interesting. It's, it's interesting though isn't it that that was one of the rare occasions in this entire era where one of the well, it wasn't even a decades long presence in Doctor Who, mm. but where something recognisable, because for the entirety of Series 11, the monsters, the setups, the recurring characters, they weren't even mentioned, let alone on screen. As soon as you start bringing those elements on screen, you, you sort of, you populate the Doctor Who universe, you remind us of the, the fabric to, uh, behind it, that the show we've been watching up to then, Kyle. But by bringing across Captain Jack and the Daleks, it kind of makes the character of the Doctor as this really sort of thinly sketched version of the Doctor disappear into the background because they just don't, they're not formidable, they're not whole, that it doesn't, it doesn't feel the multifaceted character that been, what we've been watching, played by Matt Smith, played by Peter, played by David, played by Chris, well, everybody else. This show has been horribly miscast from the start because I, I do think uh, Sasha Darwin as the master was actually good casting. I enjoy, I liked him as the master. I liked what they, they, they did there. But I mean, otherwise, I mean, for the most part, this show was horribly miscast and the people, there was no energy. Anybody who came on the show, nobody had energy. And I think it was discouraged for them to have energy. I think Bradley I think, Walsh I think, had a bit of energy. Well, Bradley Walsh was my other Bradley Walsh had natural charisma and warmth and the baggage of being somebody that, that he should have been the doctor. 
Well, and yeah, they've done the same with and they've done the same with John Bishop again. This Basically is how lazy was. they've been. They've done exactly the same now. They are bringing along John Bishop's audience. They they're sort of guaranteed banking on people who like John Bishop will turn up in the same way that they knew that people who oh I like Bradley Walsh I'll never miss the chase oh he's on that now oh okay mm. I'll watch that it's it's exactly the it's the lowest hanging fruit they don't have to bother building a character for either Bradley or John because they come with their own built-in character the way that Bonnie Langford did you could say in 1986 it's no better no worse than that when Bradley came to the show he came with the ability to be Bradley and that was largely it. Tosin Cole comes with with next to nothing. You know, he's not a seasoned enough actor to polish the kind of turds that he was given in script form. Mandip Gill, who I've always said has been pretty mm. hungry, particularly sur during uh, Series 11 and through parts of Series 12, you could see it too, hungry to get good work. I don't think she'd even know it if, if she was to see it. But you could see an eagerness there. In every quarter, Chris Chibnall has let them down to the point where, as you said, Kyle... First chance they could get, the very first chance they're out of contract. Both Tosin and Bradley are off. It's not good, is it? Um, I mean, you know, the plan from the, for the start, I'm going to go back to history, teach kids about history, blah, blah, blah. That all went to pot. Yeah, we're going to shoot it in a new format. It's going to look different. It's going to look... That all went to pot. You know, everything they did went to pot. All nonsense. And as I said, without a shadow of a doubt, you cannot deny it now, this version of Doctor Who failed spectacularly do you want to hear that again this doctor who <laughs> failed spectacularly there's no way yeah unarguable and it's been the the entire franchise has been next to mortally wounded really by by chris chibnall's various creative decisions and the laughably bad casting of uh, jody whittaker as the doctor <laughs> it's time i think that we cleansed our palettes for a couple <laughs> of minutes take a quick break a moment or two to remind you of some of the other fantastic conversations that are taking place on other podcasts across the fandom podcast network so here's a few words about all of that and then you can meet us back here for more chitter chatter about doctor who thank you for listening we hope you're enjoying this podcast we'd like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to these other great shows on the fandom podcast network it starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, discussing the latest in entertainment pop culture. Blood of Kings, Immortals Take Notice, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theaters, where we celebrate our favorite movies. Time Warp, the fandom flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie and TV pop culture topics. Good Evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville show. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our show covering the time-traveling Doctor Who universe with host Dan Hadley. Lethal Mullet, an 80s and 90s action film podcast with host Adam P. O'Brien. Also check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast with hosts Scott, Derek, and Nathan. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, a deep dive into the final frontier with host Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. And check out our newest shows, The Fandom Show, our monthly fandom podcast network live YouTube exclusive show about the month's hottest topics in fandom, and the FPN True Believers MCU podcast, discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the related Marvel television and streaming MCU universe, including the connections to the original Marvel comics. 
You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on several platforms. Please subscribe to the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel to receive notifications of new podcast episodes and live events. You can enjoy all of the Fandom Podcast Network audio podcasts on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. The Fandom Podcast Network is on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find the Fandom Podcast Network on Instagram at Fandom Podcast Network and on Twitter at FanPod Network. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Yes, we've teased and tantalized you there, as always, and we can even clothe you too. There's merch to match all of those shows, including Type 40. If you head over to tpublic.com, search for the Fandom Podcast Network, and you'll find a store full of all the team colors for all of those shows on everything from the T-shirts to phone cases, tapestries, and a galaxy full of other items. Seeing is believing. Treat yourself, treat your other selves, and it all goes to support the Fandom Podcast Network into the bargain so everybody wins everybody and i'm back here with kyle with ian and with the rabbi talking about the up to the minute news with doctor who it's our big summer news catch-up we talk about people who run defense for this shocking era even in its death throes we've got one such guy with another quote yeah so this was from the radio times again this was from hugh fullerton and he said a couple of days ago that uh, a brand new generation of doctor who was coming soon. I don't know if anybody spotted that in a big headline. So he'd, he'd taken the press release, and this being the Radio Times, any tiny bit of news, any tiny morsel, they will spin that out into six or seven actual articles to get us clicking away with no real substance to them. So something of this size, they had a positive field day. But Hugh Fullerton overreached himself and claimed that the BBC had stated that the next Doctor Who and who was going to be the showrunner, who was going to be the Doctor, that it would all be announced and coming soon. They never said that. Here's where Hugh got that from. And I thought this was awful that he sort of misrepresented this because right at the bottom of that press release, all it says officially, this is the only word we've got on anything past those specials, which take us up to the autumn of 2022 for the BBC's centenary. That's when we're getting that last Jodie Whittaker special. All we have from the BBC is we will announce plans for the new generation of Doctor Who in due course. Watch this space. Due course could be any length of time whatsoever. I think it's very doubtful that we're going to get something, for example, before the end of this year because Doctor Who has, for those who haven't been paying attention, effectively it's been taken out of production. I don't want to use the word cancelled, but it has been taken out of production What's your reading of this, Kyle? The BBC has no clue at this point, and I think this is all fallout from Chibnall. Chris Chibnall is the man who completely changed the entire history of Doctor Who in one episode. Yeah. From that moment on, any chance right. he had of recovering the fandom of Doctor Who was gone. Because he insulted everybody who is a fan of Doctor Who across the board, in my opinion, when he did that. I felt when he did insulted that. by the timeless children. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Who knows what he has in store the rest of the way? I mean, the BBC might be thinking we're at a point we can't we can't go backwards from this. Do we do we just let this run and then try, let the next person find a way to write themselves out of this mess? That could be it. 
again, it leads me back to J. Michael Straczynski at least wants to come in and do one season of Doctor Who to write them out of this mess. Please do it because I don't think there's a lot of people who want to even try to attempt to recover the damage Chris Chibnall has done to the uh, history I, I, of Doctor Who. I, 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 I think the BBC are so stupid. I think the BBC well, are so stupid and so stuck <laughs> in their idiot ways that they would look at an incredible gift horse of J. Michael Straczynski who has who is the perfect person right now to come into, like, try and put put back together the mess that they've made. I don't think they can admit they got it wrong in this way. I don't think they can... I don't think Piers Wenger is going to be able to take any responsibility. I think they're going to dump it all on Chris Chibnall and go, well, Chris Chibnall wrote something a bit too radical for, for the racist to watch the show, right? That's, gonna, that's <laughs> what they think. And they go, well, we've got to do something a bit more subtle so to not upset the racists. I really believe that's how they look at it, because they're morons. How do we know they're morons? Because they're television executives. That's, I think, what we've got to look forward to. But fortunately, fortunately, the apocalypse might might come, which I'm pretty sure is going to happen <laughs> before before they can make uh, more Doctor Who, right? So, yeah, we just fingers crossed, baby, fingers crossed. So the ratings for, <laughs> for Doctor Who on BBC One have taken a considerable tumble. There are people trying to spin this all the time. The aforementioned Hugh uh, Fullerton at Radio Times, for example. We've still got six episodes left to come in the next run. I can't help but think it's going to be considerably, considerably worse. The audience on BBC America, Kyle, is practically in single digits. So do you think BBC America will want to continue being involved in whatever this new generation of Doctor Who is to come? I think they have to be because it's still one of the biggest things they market here in the the U.S. Well, the only thing right now that's keeping BBC America afloat is Star Trek reruns. Mm. Wow, I it's mean, not that bad. All they show on BBC America now is Star Trek reruns and movies. There's not any original BBC. Dirk Gently, Killing Eve, all those shows. Yeah, all and it just it, it it isn't. It's reruns. It's it's reruns, and I, for some of it, I understand is the COVID situation and the lack of new content, but they don't have anything to market. It's sad. And again, it's so frustrating because there's so many fans of Doctor Who in this country, but they've all been just so they're out. I think um, I think they know what to do and I think they know what's right. But Pierce is probably going to be fighting out <laughs> outside. <laughs> he's going to be fighting outside, I reckon. But he's against most of the BBC, most of the people that are in charge because they're all for this kind of agenda thing. That's the big fight that we're not going to see. I hope that sense will make it to the BBC and they will cast a male back into this role. That's who the doctor is. And um, I hope they do that, but it doesn't look likely. And it's a shame, really, because Doctor Who is such a great show. What predictions, short term and long term, for Doctor I, 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 I believe that um, there's going to be someone out there fighting and he's going he's gonna to have common sense on his side. But knowing the BBC as I know them, they're going to just ignore the common sense and they're going to double down. Unfortunately, I think that's where it's going. I hope not. But you know what, right? If it does go that way, you know, you got the rabbi, he'll do a video on it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you got all these well, YouTubers will do a video on it, you know. And but thousands will be watching instead of millions. Do you know what I mean? And that's gonna hurt the BBC until they realise that that is not the way to go, until all this stupid agenda comes out of our entertainment. Kyle, for all that, you know, you you are very much Mr. Streaming. You know, you've, you're a big advocate of, of streaming platforms, a head of uh, physical media, and have been for a while. And for all that broadcasting is changing, 
some of the excuses that we get given for lower ratings for a oh, few people watch TV, all that kind of people will still turn up to watch good stuff, won't they? Line of Duty in this country still gets big ratings, one of several shows that do. Here's the thing, and I can, I can tell it from the States. I don't know how big the streaming world is in your areas of the world, but here in the U.S., streaming is taking over. Broadcast TV is almost original content is barely on broadcast TV anymore. The, mm. the, the content's going to broadcast TV is reality shows, game shows, th things like that that are cheap and affordable to make. This is make or break time, I think, for Doctor Who, as far as being anything that we've known it for the BBC and things like that. I think if the BBC drops the ball again, the vultures are going to start really coming out. And I'm talking about the big names. I'm talking about Amazon. I'm talking about Netflix. I'm talking about Apple. Back up the money truck because they are all looking for original content that they can put on their exclusively on their streaming services. And a lo Doctor a lucrative Who is inter intellectual property. Exactly. And Doctor Who is screaming there. And there are people screaming, please make this happen because they're going to have more freedom. They're, got, they're not going to have the budgetary constraints. And, and the people are going to, the creators are going to be able to create. Whether, whether you like some of the agendas on some of these when you watch some of these streaming shows in the U.S., whether it's, for example, The Boys, which takes no shame in what it does. It's made with 100% conviction, isn't it? And that's something that we yeah. haven't had from Doctor Who in the last couple of years. And, and that's, where, that's where those creators are going. They're going to a streaming service because they have more freedom. And you don't have a, something like the BBC pulling the strings. They are hiring creators. Netflix is signing TV creators from network TV that created some of the most popular shows here in the States to exclusive deals to create content for them. So it's content that's driving everything, at least here in the U.S. And Doctor Who, if done properly, could be back to where it was just yeah, five, six years ago. Is there any appetite for Series 13 in America, do you think? Now that they know Jody is leaving, I think you actually will get some viewers back because, oh, we're coming up to a Doctor Change. There's always a curiosity there oh, with a Doctor right Change. Right. But again, it's going to be who they announce next as the Doctor, and that's so key. And from what you see on the internet, I mean, it goes anywhere from going back to a, a male lead, a Caucasian male lead, and uh, a male lead of, uh, of an ethnic descent, or possibly I've even heard the rumors of a, a lead of a different sexual identity or no sexual identity mm. i don't know and it just depends on what the bbc is going to do the bbc is their own worst enemy at this point people don't want to work with the bbc because they know that the problems with the bbc and how the bbc is and i just don't know if somebody who's a true creator is going to want to come in and really deal with that or they're going to have to bring through, in a way through all yeah, that the way the jms is struggling with after just a couple of days yeah yeah the general i mean when you have somebody who's as creatively powerful as JMS, I don't think the BBC wants to bring him in because they couldn't stand up to him. Rabbi, apart from the pressing concern of inevitable Armageddon, have you got any predictions <laughs> for the next three or four years with Doctor Who? Nothing firm. I mean, I think the six-episode season is going to be epically awful. I was going to think it's going to be insanely bad for Doctor Who, and we're going to see the worst ratings ever. Uh, but, I, but it just seems they're, like, setting everything up to fail, and it's not like it was doing well to start with. Next year, I think it's going to be even worse for Doctor Who because in the in England, uh, the BBC is has went has gone from being this beloved institution; it was absolutely beloved to being reviled. They're reviled here in the states. Yeah, but they used to be loved. It used to be absolutely, and then not long ago, five years ago, six yeah, years ago, absolutely loved. And the idea of getting rid of it was like was awful to me. But Doctor Who has become the face of that failure. 
And I think they're putting in this big 100-year anniversary, the BBC's 100-year anniversary celebrations. The Jewel in the Crown will be the final Jodie Whittaker yeah, episode. Yeah, but that was written by, you know, the, the press or, the, or whoever's in charge of... No, but I think they were right there. November's about the time, right? They, they, they're gonna, I think that's exactly I'm not even when... sure it's going to be that big a part of that. So yeah, I think that season, that season yeah. will last for a few months, and I think this will be a drop in the ocean to it. I think there'll be big gala events for that with people right. like Dave, David Attenborough and those yeah. kind of people, right, top-level people. I think the Doctor Who thing will be a very, very small part of it. Well, you know, you know, the BBC is going to be watching or listening to this. All I can say is, if you want to save Doctor Who, hire me. That's all I can say. Yeah. I'll, I'll, well, save no, I'll save it. I'll save it. The BBC was listening after the the the, the announcement that 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 Jodie was going. Apparently, all our channels were being monitored by, by the BBC. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be cheap. Happy to, I'm cheap. Happy to amuse me. and show them how it's done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Rates are very reasonable. Contact yes. <laughs> we will be covering it. We will be covering it on Type 40 and Type 40 Live. Not sure how yet, which format and which voices you're going to hear talking about it. But yeah, Doctor Who Series 13 will be made up of six new episodes. It's going to star Jodie Whittaker, Mandip Gill, and John Bishop with Jacob Alexander, the poor sod. Its showrunner will be the world's worst showrunner, Chris Chibnall, and it's set to be broadcast sometime this autumn. Yes, Type 40 will be there. We will be covering it. Listen up for that. That is the old girl starting up and calling time on another trip in our TARDIS. I'll be back with another Type 40, of course, very, very soon. Look out for that wherever you found this. It could have been on Apple Podcasts. It could have been on Spotify. Tune in. Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all those places or on the dedicated home feed for Type 40, type40.podbean.com. We're also on YouTube, the world's largest streaming platform, on the Spacebooks YouTube channel and on the Fandom Podcast Network's YouTube channel. We're still on the fabulous Fandom Podcast Network's master feed, along with all those other shows, of course. Maybe you'd like to have your say. Reach out to us all at Type 40 through our social media presence, Instagram and Twitter, at Type 40 Doctor Who, or you can email us, type 40 Doctor Who at gmail.com. And uh, if you're feeling really brave, search for us over on Facebook for the Type 40 Facebook group. So type our name into the little field at the top, and you can find our community, our TARDIS, full of companions from throughout the Hooniverse, talking, sharing, and occasionally arguing about all things Doctor Who. That's been going for five years now. And uh, yeah, whatever goes on with the series, there's always plenty to talk about. Classic, new, or not who, in Type 40, a Doctor Who Facebook group. Kyle, yeah, where can people hear and see more of you? Well, obviously, I've got to keep things the wheels turning here at the Fandom Podcast Network, so you can hear me on several of the great shows there, including our newest show, True Believers, covering everything that is the MCU. We're getting ready to dive into What If, as that's getting ready to start up here. Um, we've got, of course, our great relationship with you at Type 40 and several other great shows, um, fpnet.podbean.com. You can find me personally on Twitter at akylew or on Instagram at akylefandom. Ian, where can people hear more, see more of you and your work? Well, everybody knows that I have a web series called Rebecca Gold. All you have to do is type it into uh, uh, YouTube and type in Rebecca Gold and you'll find the series. So there you go. I also have some films as well. If you're interested in in watching them, they're on the channel as well. Um, yeah, knock yourself out. What's going on on your planet in the coming weeks, Rabbi, on YouTube? In the coming weeks, I, I, there's just unending articles lambasting the current era of Doctor Who, which I'm covering, or like trying to run defense for it 
just so insanely badly, or coming up with the stupidest stupidest ideas possible for season uh, th- season fourteen. Um, my favorite, my favorite one right now is uh, Vinay Patel for showrunner. That I, I, and that's actually a real thing. It's something they, I'm like, what? Why? I don't know. I know. Vinay Patel, but, uh, who just a few months ago, just a few months ago, Rabbi, he was starting fights with other fans, with actual Doctor right. fans, with the punters and the license fee payers on Twitter. Right, right, right. Just after Tim Davies said they're not allowed to do that anymore. So go, go, just go to show you. Just go to show you. So anyway, listen. Go to YouTube. Check out uh, search the Rabbi from another planet. Or go to Twitter uh, at Biblical Comics with an X at the end. You will find me. Uh, 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 are you going to be happy that you found me? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's only one way to find out, isn't there? And you can find me. I'm scattered throughout all of space and time, but mostly on Instagram and Twitter as the Spacebook, where I'm wheezing and groaning and sharing about all things geeky inside and outside of the TARDIS. Thanks again, everybody. And thanks, as always, to you for listening. We always have the time if you have the space here at Type 40, but that is it for now. Take care. Bye-bye. A Doctor Who podcast is a space book production for the Fandom Podcast Network with music by Problem Being.